0: Coming to you live from a dimension where, holy shit, we interviewed Ryan Ridley. Shit, 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 And this is Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Travis. Hello, everybody. This is Brandon.
1: Welcome to yet another episode of Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. So happy you could be with us this week. So happy. Uh, a week with A week with no new Rick and Morty episode it's it's like the old times Brandon
0: it is like it's like you know what is what's old is new again just like Twin Peaks the return oh my god that, that's a that's a hell of a show
1: Sa- but- save that for your Twin Peaks podcast <laughs> that you'll that you'll start as soon as you leave me for some other podcast host that actually watches Twin Peaks I'll get to it I'll get to it you'll I've get. got a lot in my queue I've got a lot uh ladies and gentlemen we have a very special episode for you this week. None other than Ryan Ridley, writer mm-hmm. of the show Rick and Morty. Woo. He will be joining us very soon. But uh, be- before we get into that, of course, we have a little bit of housekeeping to attend to. So if you want to contact us, contact the show, there are many ways you can do that. You can hit us up on Twitter at Rick and Morty over on our subreddit, Rick and Podcast.reddit.com. Uh, hit us up on our website, apathetic enthusiasm.com slash Rick and Morty Podcast. Email Rick and Morty podcast at gmail.com. Is somebody like writing this down feverishly? You think Brandon, like they're in their car in traffic and they're like, ah, I, okay. I keep missing the email. I just got to write it down. Okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> hey, stop writing. Asshole.
1: Uh, obviously all of those links are in the show notes uh, where you can also get a link to our T public page where you can grab yourself a t-shirt, including the unity t-shirt. If you fully assimilated into unity, you can pick up an interdimensional RSS unity t-shirt on our T public site. And then if you want to support the podcast, maybe you've already left a review, maybe just you feel in your heart of hearts, there's something more you could do, uh, then head over to our Patreon site, patreon.com slash Rick and Morty pod and, uh, sign up for maybe video versions of some episodes or I don't know, maybe someone will sign up for a hangout and it'll just be the three (laughs) of us me and Brandon and whoever signs up for the hangout. That'd be, that'd be Uh,
0: fantastic.
1: All right. Well, enough of that. Now it's time for Brandon to put his singing voice on and Mm -hmm. get into some semi-pertinent news.
0: Ryan Ridley! Fight! (laughs) Semi-pertinent news! hey uh good
1: old mortal ryan ridley combat <laughs> that's <laughs> uh what's what's up first in the old semi-perts there
0: brandon uh as 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 we all know game of thrones the season seven finale was last week season six season seven well whatever and uh it went it went it was done that we're not going to spoil this year that's not this podcast but at the very tail end of uh rick and morty that same night they. Uh, adult swim put a little you know they have the the black screen with the, the tag on there and it said game of thrones writing uh whenever the show started in like 2006 to it was like
1: 2006 to 2017 yeah. or something like that yeah yeah when, uh, Whenever basically the show started. saying the writing was dead on the show <laughs> yeah. um which uh we i i initially laughed at i was a little bit of like a, ooh like that's that's a that's a bit throw, of a burn. Throw a nightshade, espe- yeah. Especially when I had literally just finished watching <laughs> the the season finale. As soon as I flipped over to Adult Swim, but uh, some fans were were not happy with the card. A lot of people reached out to the creators of the show, none other than Dan Harmon, received several uh, nasty tweets uh, saying that that was that was a cold blooded response, and uh, Dan himself responded to the criticism on his instagram page
0: that's, that's right that's right uh, basically saying you know hey it's it was kind of tacky and, and it wasn't it wasn't us we didn't make that joke we uh, rick and morty we did not make that joke so please don't hate us for it uh and, and yeah. i know i know that a uh, lot i was of, just gonna uh, say oh okay go ahead no after you, you know, after you
1: I mean, well you st- you paused <laughs> and so that i thought it was and then you
0: well no go, go, go forward, ahead Brandon. after you
1: no no after you after, what three hours to... <laughs> later it's just you and me yelling after you over
0: and over and ryan ridley again. sends us a message on twitter that says uh i waited for you guys i don't know what happened uh yeah when i was
1: busy being polite
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh you know a lot of i i read and i would heard that some of the game of thrones podcasts caught wind of this and that they were ta- they were throwing shade back at rick and morty and saying how how crappy rick and morty was and uh you know that's just a shame being you know me being a fan of both you as well. And, you know, let's just, let's come together. It's, it's a, it's yeah, a harmless let's joke. Let's all get along. And, and
1: realistically, I think some people, uh, maybe have issues divorcing Rick and Morty from adult swim. Yeah. Yes. Obviously Rick and Morty is featured on adult swim, but, uh, you know, there are different people making those things happen and different people running the network versus producing the show. And there are different. Yeah, so it's not, a, it's not intertwined. You get, you gotta, you gotta get your, your, you know, tweet at adults from PR or something like not at, not at, uh, not at Justin and Dan. So, so, uh, that, that came up. And then one other, uh, bit of new, I, I don't know. I, I, this is where I feel like it's the best time for us to talk about errors and stuff. Yeah. Travis probably messed up. Um, so we got a lot of feedback this week about something that we talked about on the podcast, uh, during the rest and relaxation episode, I mentioned that I noticed when Toxic, Mort- or toxic Rick and Toxic and Non Toxic Rick were fighting and they burst through the living room just as Summer sees Mrs. Pancake saying, You do know me. <laughs> uh, I thought that both versions of Rick responded to Summer in kind. I thought that they both said, Sorry, Summer. But multiple sources pointed out to us, including Shut Up Casey on Twitter, yeah. and I think there was somebody on uh, Facebook or I'm I'm we'll we'll pop you in the show notes yeah. as soon as I find you. <laughs> but both of them uh, made it clear that I was wrong and that Toxic Rick was bleeped out because he said "f you" to Summer and oh you didn't you didn't want to say the fuck
0: you don't I didn't want to say it out loud.
1: You know that's usually your role, <laughs> uh, but yeah. And so it's you know I'm more of a non-toxic Rick. You're like the toxic Rick in the relationship. Yeah,
0: I'll, I'll accept that. It just means that I care about people more than you do. And you know, I, I when you said it originally, I was I and I, I said this in the initial conversation on Twitter. I didn't. I was like, I'm pretty sure he said "fuck you," Summer. But eh, Travis, he sounds very confident about his. His description. And and so this is actually, this drives a point home between Travis and I, where Travis says, look, if I mess up, you just correct me on the spot. Don't yeah, worry about call it. call
1: me on it. Call me on it. Uh, uh, and you know what? That's, that's the type of symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. we have, Brandon. All right. <laughs> Anywho, moving on. Uh, that's enough semi-pertinent news. Yeah. La- ladies and gentlemen, you've made it through seven and a half minutes nearly to get to this point where... We get into the main thing. Ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Ridley has uh, responded to a tweet. It was, it was a shot in the dark. I said, hey, <laughs> would you like to join us on a weekend where Rick and Morty isn't on? And he said, and I quote, sure. Uh, and yeah. so after several DMs and a couple of rescheduling throughout a very long weekend, uh, we finally made it happen. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Ryan Ridley, it's time for the main thing.
0: Do you want me to do a song for the main thing? I don't know. I
1: always. I always <laughs> want a song, Brandon. <laughs> oh, Give
0: shit. the people what they want. Uh was there another was there another Mortal Kombat song for uh, <laughs> I think that was the only Mortal Kombat.
1: All right, everybody. This is Travis, and we are here with uh Rick and Morty oh, I already did it. I did it. I mean, we're here with the writer of a popular TV show, Ryan Ridley. Thank you
2: for having me. I'm a writer on a popular TV show, not necessarily associated with the subject of this podcast. Just a well-known TV show. Uh, no publicity people can be mad at me because I'm simply talking about my work on a popular television show on <laughs> basic cable.
0: Yeah, and, and it's, still, it's still unknown. Uh, you know what exactly the your contributions are. Uh, definitely not on IMDb anywhere um, this season, but uh, you, you're there, and we appreciate having you, Mr. Ridley. Should I call you? Thank should you. I call you Mister as a sign of respect and deference?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Because
2: when else am I going to get that <laughs> respect and deference?
1: We we considered Ryan Riddles Ridley, but we didn't know if that was too informal or if it would conjure up some sort of uh questions that we'd be unable to answer you can call me the riddler <laughs> The Riddler. we just want to make it clear that we're not judging you we just want to make that clear up front
0: yeah you, you know uh,
2: you're you're referring to the the video of the rc car <laughs> thing right <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah i heard that turned out great i haven't seen it yet but uh i just want to give a shout out to my boy john Carmen, who makes those who uh, I just hung out with, and he does a great job. He does all that stuff and all the BTS stuff as well.
0: Awesome! Uh,
1: they they have been awesome. Yeah, we we are happy to see each one of those as they come out.
0: I yeah. I watched I, I, watch, I watch that video two to three to five times actually, and I don't I don't usually watch them that often. But there's something about you as Ryan Riddles Ridley uh, in that in that scene with with like your Anthony Chung? yeah, with Anthony Chung. Uh-huh. like your your facial reaction of do you have a smoke like that whole it's got me tickle me tickle me pink uh and you know also kind of coincidentally the the smoke is just all over burbank uh so hopefully you stayed safe from that
2: yeah i mean you know to be honest i i was at work a different television show on uh thursday or friday i can't remember i think it was friday and i was I pulled an all nighter, not to brag, working on a script and I was sleeping uh, in my office and I heard people talking about the fire and I was so tired. I was like, all right, I'm going to keep listening until I hear like the keywords of, oh, my God, we're all going to die unless we leave now. (laughs) And until I hear that, I'm not going to move. And so I never actually (laughs) saw it (laughs) until I looked online because I I got I went up to uh, Idlewild, which is like two hours away from L.A. this weekend for Labor Day. And I so I never even saw it. I just saw it on Instagram.
0: Uh,
1: Yeah, that that, I was gonna say. uh, As Southern Californian natives, we we kind of just get used to uh, wildfires in general. It's just like, oh yeah, all right. Well, let's see what else is going on this week. But that was pretty close. It's always they're always looking places where like where
2: is
0: that. Ah, it's
2: never going to affect me. Ah, yeah, I'm fine. Uh,
0: fine. It's, a, it's in Malibu. Who cares about Malibu anymore? What, Suzanne Summers' house is going to burn down? Oh, boo hoo. Mm, <laughs> protect it with some thigh masters, Suzanne. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but it
2: is crazy because I'm like, man, one weekend we have the biggest uh, flooding in Texas, and then the next weekend, supposedly the biggest wildfires in California, Southern California at least. And uh, climate change, man, you know? Let's yeah. just keep
1: ignoring it.
2: <laughs> okay, that's the end of my political rant. All right. The, the I just political want to get the podcast. message out there on the podcast.
1: podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Ryan, we did, we did come up with a few questions that we wanted to ask you. There's only two or three dozen pages, so mm-hmm. I, uh, we should probably start getting into a few of those. Uh, and first up, we wanted to know, were there any cartoons or shows that you watched a lot growing up that, or movies maybe that? that really inspired your writing on that popular TV show that you work on?
2: Well, you know, at work the other day on a yet-to-be-aired and hopefully popular television show, um, one of the writers is asking everybody what their five favorite TV shows were. And it was hard for me to—I have a hard time, like, on the fly. But then as, like, the day went on, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 was that would— that Mr. Show is probably the biggest influence as far as just purely like, oh, this is the kind of comedy that I want to do. This is like as weird as I feel like the the uh, the directions I would love to explore as far as the weirdness goes. You know, every I think I think growing up, the baseline was always well, you know, funny SNL like teaches you like the basics of what comedy is, and then at some point you're like, oh, but this shit. (laughs) <laughs> this shit's really showing me like the frontiers I want to explore, and that I'm a, we're allowed to be this weird. And in the back of your mind, that's that's sort of what you're always like, like ah, oh, God, I feel like I want to do something even weirder and crazier, but I don't know what. And then you see some example of it, and you're like, oh, there it is. Um, and and that was Mr. Show for me, which was like for me being like a college dropout and really being lost in my late teens, early twenties. That's when that show came out, and so it was just me and my friends watching it. I think that shaped my brain and influenced me and inspired me more than any other show as far as that, as far as actually that, that part of my point in my life when I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. And then of course it was, that's what bonded me to guys like Justin because it turns out he was doing the same thing. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I had uh Mr. I, I was late to the Mr. Show train, but uh, when I was, when I was a kid, like I watched a lot of MTV's estate and, and all that type of that really kind of alternative humor uh, really really sp- spoke to me. And now um, you know uh, Tim Heidecker and uh, Mr. Sh- or not Mr. Show, obviously awesome, sh- awesome show, great job. fucked that up, but anyways, whatever. That, that show, that shows. Uh, what like that, kind that of humor. podcast
2: you can't even get the name uh, of our sister uh, show? Tim and Eric, awesome show. Tim great and job. Eric, awesome show. Great job. <laughs> And I'm not suggesting that it's our sister show because I've identified the show that I have worked on. I'm just saying, right, spiritually
0: yeah. speaking,
1: yeah, all shows are related on some yes, wavelength over exactly. time. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so I so I want to I want to go this little bit slightly different direction. So I, I know that you have a history of stand up comedy in your blood, so to speak. It's it's flowing through your blood uh how has your history of stand-up really kind of influenced your writing right uh is it is it a large part of of who you are or do you you draw inspiration from that or well uh
2: i only did stand up because back then uh, there was really no other way for me to get what i wanted to do writing wise out there because it was just before you know you could just make a sketch and put it on youtube So it was like, well, I can write weird, funny jokes and then get on a stage and perform them and get a reaction from them, from the audience, and sort of start to understand if my sensibility is, is, uh, as Dan would say, marketable. You know, just like if if what I think is funny to me is actually funny to anybody else, and that includes – your peers, which are ultimately probably the most valuable judges as far as just when you start to go like, oh, wait, the people I think are funny and doing interesting stuff think I'm funny and doing interesting stuff. OK, then you start to build your confidence. And then obviously just an audience, you know, you want you want that because you want to feel like you're viable, uh, just on a larger scale. Uh so that was how I, yeah, figured stuff out. And then just doing stand up in those early days, the people I did stand up with who were all have gone on to a lot of great things themselves. It was like, you know, that's who you're inspired by and that's who starts influencing you. And you're like, oh my God, I got to be as good as them. Or at least I got to push myself because I just watched what they did. And, you know, that, that was the, that was how I formed my early, just uh, what it would be the. Would become my voice comedically, I guess.
0: Do you think that, um, uh, like Steve Martin's book *Pure Drivel, uh, he, you know, he talks about working with Gilda Radner before either of them became famous, right? And and I, I feel like that in 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 comedy circles and musical circles, like you you find this group of people that use humble beginnings and then kind of work with each other to kind of build each other up over time. Have you have you found that's a a true for you
2: anyway oh yeah yeah that's like the biggest thing i mean when i i started doing stand up in detroit and where i grew up and my dad has a comedy club and that's how i first became aware of just the power of stand up comedy and how that influenced me as a kid watching really great stand ups come through his club because he had a, he has a really big popular comedy club in detroit and so then i was like well i want to do this too but in detroit God bless them. It's just like the people there that are doing standup, like they're just not like it, it, it's just the, the people who are really, really trying to push and, and develop and find their voices and, and, and try to, quote unquote, make it are going to start moving to yeah. Chicago or New York or L.A. pretty early on. And so I wasn't really that inspired in Detroit. I, w- I should say I was just like I was looking for something more. I wasn't sure what. It's kind of like when you're a kid and you're looking for, like, a group of friends to connect with. And you, you're in class and, like, all of a sudden some kid starts talking about Coen Brothers movies. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa I never heard of this crazy shit. I've only been <laughs> watching, like, Disney. You know what I mean? Like, that that, right. that first level you kind of uh, – when you when you level up with your taste and your worldview. Yeah. So I'm, I went to Chicago – because I knew that was the kind of the next, it was, it's a great middle, uh, station between LA and where I grew up, suburbs of Detroit. And I, the first night I went and saw a show was the midnight Bible school, which is a, a, a little theater inside of the second city complex. And just the comedians blew my mind. Uh, just, they were just doing such great, interesting, innovative stuff. So I was like, all right, this is where I'm going. And I moved there and I was just like, instantly just try to get into as many open mics and, and shows as possible. And, you know, I always name drop who I started off with, but, uh, but a lot of these guys actually came a little bit after me, but we were all kind of starting to do it at the same time, like TJ Miller and Kumail Nanjiani and, uh, Pete Holmes and Kyle Kinane and Matt Bronger and trying to think who else that, that sort of kind of made it on that national level. But that was kind of the, the crew and even the people who, to be honest, didn't go on to make it like the people who gave up and became teachers or what i mean some equally as amazing talented people that that you don't know because there's just that thing that that's it's the rare combination that was immediately identifiable in a guy like tj which is like oh very very talented and funny but also very driven and has you know the 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 business savvy to know what they have to do to get famous and successful you know <laughs> yeah. and some people are so brilliant creatively and they just can't figure out how to make it work uh you know on a business level and it's always a shame because then there's the people who are not funny and talented at all but they really know how to make it work on a business level <laughs> and it's that rare venn diagram where we're like oh cool it's nice to see someone that's talented and funny and also has their shit together make it
0: do you think a lot of people uh well maybe not a lot of people but do you think people uh in that not knowing the business savvy, but are really talented. Do you think some of them maybe aren't as driven, but they just, they struggle through it till they, they hit an opportunity?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, maybe I'd put myself in that category. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really that bad. I mean, I'm certainly not, you know, I remember TJ was, he had gotten the role in Cloverfield before he even left Chicago. Huh. And, you know, so he'd already made a, a mark and people noticed him when he was still in Chicago and I always, I always felt like I'm like, man, I, you know, I do like the stand up comedy festivals in Chicago, and I never quite get, like, you know, I was never quite getting like the into the into the into the oh new faces, you know what I mean? Like, I never felt like the industry gave a shit about me, and so I just kind of <laughs> kept like, really just just aiming my. Um, my, uh, I, I don't. I'm trying to think of a metaphor. L- uh, creative laser beam. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my, my, my divining rod. Uh, in the direction of who I thought were were doing stuff that I liked, which is why I got involved in Channel One Hundred One and met Dan and Justin because I learned about uh, Heat Vision and Jack, and then I found out that those guys had you know created the single Channel One Hundred One, and then I watched those videos. I'm like, yep, that's the kind of shit I want to do. You know, just like that Eureka moment with Mr. Show. I'm like, well, this is now a Mr. Show vibe that I can actually become a part of, and so I just that was been my only key to the quote unquote success I've had as a writer or anything else is just, I just knew I just followed the joy of who I wanted to work with creatively. I never knew how to do it. And then because of that, literally it was like, Hey, this guy's really good. You guys should sign him as a client, big time agency. And they're like, all right, I guess if you say so, like those people never, those industry people never like, they never said, well, we got to sign Ryan Ridley and make him successful. And I just was lucky that,
1: People that were doing good stuff seemed to like what I was doing and wanted to give me jobs. So, so would you would you say like when you're when you're writing like do you prefer like writing with a group and like collaborating on like those ideas or uh, is is that something that sort of has come into your writing that you're doing now? Uh,
2: yeah, I mean everybody, you know. I, I mean, obviously, just just meeting well, doing the stand up at the time I did it, I was very influenced by a lot of those people. I rattled off. <laughs> And then uh, doing uh, doing Channel 101 and, and, you know, doing stuff with Justin and Dan and Rob Schraub and, uh, you know, all the people that came from that world. And even the people I, frankly, never really were friends with, like the Lonely Island guys. I mean, they were sort of, com- they were sort of about to go big when I first came into 101 and we overlapped in the tiniest, tiniest bit. But, you know, those people's sensibilities are all what influenced me. I mean, Dan's probably the most... More than anybody else, just because I was such a fan of him and respected him so much creatively that, you know, I I wanted I always wanted to try to write like how he wrote, which I think it's always important to sort of aim in one direction and at some point go like, well, but I'm not I don't want to be, you know, a. try to be like a copy of somebody because there you're just going to end up being the poor man's blank
1: right
2: and so you start to figure out what you're good at and 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 you're drawing on all these other things like well i like i like what this person does but i also they they they, you know the interesting thing about working on the on the popular show that i work have done work on (laughs) is that is that the two creators whose names i will not name have in many ways very different sensibilities and styles and and but they overlap in a very special way. But sometimes they don't. And sometimes I've had to go like, no, 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 this I know that you don't get what the other one's trying to do at this moment, but you think it's detracting, but trust me, like this is what's going to make the show special because it's we're doing this weird stuff that you don't think is necessarily the the way you should do it. I mean, I think that's what makes it so such an interesting show. Is that sometimes it's like, wait, this doesn't make sense structurally. Why? Why are we doing <laughs> this exactly? Uh,
0: did, that's that's why. Uh, so you know, they, they say uh, that that conflict breeds creativity, right? So who says that? Uh, somebody. Uh, I read it. Brandon
1: says that. I re- he just said it. I read <laughs> it in
0: film school uh, uh, for uh, <laughs> you know um, Battleship Potemkin. But so would you say that, you know, like there's a part of when there's when there's conflict, having an intermediary presence to kind of like say, uh, hey, let me let me try to explain this concept or a little bit to you and then vice versa. If the other person has an issue,
2: I think that conflict is going to lead to one or two things. It's going to lead to the best idea winning or it's going to lead to the 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 most mediocre compromise winning Oasis. Uh, How dare you?
0: (laughs) No, no. That, well, was that a good thing or a bad thing? You, we don't know. We, I didn't. I didn't give it context.
2: Uh, yeah, you're right. That's true. <laughs> you, uh, it was me who assumed you were putting it on the negative side of the spectrum. I'm going to choose to think you think that Oasis is better than the Beatles, like Liam Gallagher said.
0: Is is that is that true? I don't know. We'll find out at the end of the episode.
2: I'll well, reveal the answer. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, so, you know what I mean? It's 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 we've had some big fight. I mean, I've had fights in writers rooms, but I always find that as long as as long as the, the I keep saying this lately, as long as it's not about ego, if it's truly people collaborating and they're trying to create the best. The best uh, product and you know, there's a vision for it that goes beyond just what the other what any of the individual people think is they want to be right, then you're going to end up with something really great and special. And so, you know, the, and, and most of the time in writers' rooms, there are, conf- there are conflicts because you have to – sometimes it's only one person that has a vision. I mean it's like freaking – how about this? How about this analogy to blow your mind? It's like <laughs> politics, you know? Oh. Sometimes there's only one person that, that really, you know, sees it, and then you got to kind of build a coalition. And it's like, oh, okay, well, 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 these two people see it. And, all right, well, okay, you know, we don't get it, but we trust them. So we'll, we'll, we'll yield the floor to them to make their case. And then you can make the K, and then sl- slowly convince more and more people, or at least the people that matter, and get on board. And eventually, you know, you've, you've sold an idea for a for a vision, and 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 everybody, you know, can see it and has contributed their uh, take on it and shaped it, and it becomes something really great and special.
1: And then you end up with popular characters that spend the entire episode as like a pickle or something. I don't know, like that sort of thing. Just yeah. Well, Kim- or kimchi, Paul
2: Weishman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just throwing that out there guys i think it's i think it's a great idea uh so when you and and this this question was actually brought up to us by someone you may know adam ridley uh but <laughs> he he thought that we oh, should my womb uh, ask, rival. You, ask you a little <laughs> a little bit about your your special writing rituals or, or some things that you may do when you're writing that uh you know are, are unique to your process I don't know what he was referring to. I I, I have a feeling
2: he was, I saw that on Twitter. I have a feeling he was trying to, he was suggesting something that I I may not be aware. I, who knows? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being paranoid about my own brother's intent. Uh, I mean, look, my writing rituals, I, I just, I just pulled an all nighter writing a script on a, on a different television show. Not, not the one that may or may not be associated with this podcast. Uh, (laughs) How, what, it's weird. May or may not be. It's called the Rick and Morty <laughs> podcast, right?
1: Uh, Interdimensional RSS, the unofficial Rick and Morty podcast. Okay, all right, unofficial.
2: There. I was working on another show, and I, I had to turn a, a draft around, and I, whenever I'm writing any, if I'm writing a draft of something, there gets to be a point when it's 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 the the misery of this is horrible and mediocre, and you just kind of, you're just shitting it out. And you feel horrible about yourself and you're, you're defining who you are by that day's writing. Like, oh, this is mediocre garbage, so therefore I am mediocre garbage. And then as the, the week goes on, or however much time you have, you start to refine it. And then for me, and I'm not saying I learned this from Dan, although this is definitely, you know, Dan is famously his worked this way. Right up to like kind of the last night before something is due, in the case of the script, it's just the obsessive – going over it and going over it and going over it and, and, you know, sometimes not sleeping just to make sure you've got it as close as you can possibly get. It. And sometimes you really, for me with writing and not to get a, not to get, you know, a little, uh, a little woo woo as they say about it, but you know, you, there's a zone that you hit that you kind of can't really manufacture just, just arbitrarily by sitting down and going like, come on, get in the zone. And sometimes it takes like a week of working on something. And sometimes it takes working on something for Hours and hours and hours in one go to like hit this point. Where you're kind of really not overthinking anything, and you're just kind of getting it all as refined as possible. Never perfect, but but definitely closer than it would have been when you first started writing it. So I, that's how I work. I don't I don't mind it. I don't have a problem with it as long as I don't become like some insane person who who pulls all nighters every single night or something. But. <laughs> Like, you know, like the last day of, right. You want to make sure before something goes into your employer's hands or anyone else's that, you know, you got it as close as possible.
0: When you're typing up the words and you're, you, you, you have an assignment and you're like, okay, you sit, you sit down, you start, you start spouting it off on into the the keyboard or typewriter or whatever you, whatever you use. I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting that, um, you know, you, you have that insecurity, and I think a lot of people do the insecurity of like, ah, this is gonna be shit. This is gonna be shit, 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 until you start then going back over it, refining it, and saying, okay, uh, you know, this doesn't work as well as I thought when I was just stream of consciousnessing it onto the page. Um, so I I, f- I find that that's interesting. Do do you have to do you have to use like particular music when you write, or uh, do you have to be like, hey, shut up, down the road, stop playing that hip hop apotemis music. Stop <laughs> blasting Wonderwall! Come on. is is that, is, is that, is that something that you do, or uh, or if you don't want to answer, playing that, playing music? You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or uh, yelling at the kids down the street. Oh, uh, well, I
2: definitely. I always read about uh, playing music. People who write with music, and I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll try that. And I'm just like, what is, what is this? What am I doing? <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't help. I don't. It does. It does nothing for me. I feel. I feel like I don't I don't I don't I don't drink when I write. I don't get high when I write. I I don't you know, I maybe coffee, coffee and silence. And and, you know, it is tricky because if you're like writing out in in public, I mean, my brain wants to start action. So it's like, you know, everybody in L.A., the cliches writing in coffee shops, working on screenplays yeah. like I'm going to want to start eavesdropping on the people next to me. You know, like that's just I'm going to I'm going to be more engaged in whatever they're talking about than what I'm trying to make up. Um, so the ideal scenario is the most productive is probably just being in a quiet room, sober and sleepless.
0: <laughs> that, that's when that's when the best stuff comes out. Is oh, and also full of anger
2: and 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 just wanting to prove the bullies and the girls in middle school <laughs> that wouldn't give you the time of day—that you're worth something—that helps
0: too. Then I will that, be fantastic. That childhood trauma. We will be fantastic writers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we wanted to ask. Uh, so you've you've written for Community. You've you've done the live action stuff, and clearly you've been you've been doing stuff on the, the very popular animated show that we will not say the name of. Uh, do you find there are any significant differences between? Uh, writing for live action versus animation.
2: Oh, huge differences! For example, I'm working on a live action show right now, and you know, you're 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 on the set and shooting, and all of a sudden the actor will say, hey, "Can can we get a different line, or alter a joke, or tag this, or something?" And you're like, hey, "Hold on, huh? okay, how about we do this?" And then you're now you're watching them in real time do that. Whereas in animation. You, you know, you write those things and then a few weeks later, you know, however it works, you're you're maybe hearing the radio play. And then obviously the next step is the animatic or the thumbs. And and it's just such a glacial process. But that also allows you to do things like completely change everything if you want to not Obviously, uh, just ex- sorry, uh, parent company of the animated show that I may or may not work on, who may be concerned about budget overages. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're you're able to do that, I think, easier than you are with live action. Where in live action, you know, from what I understand, I haven't been as involved in the process when it comes to post. But, you know, a lot of times shows will add um, ADR lines like uh, over the back of a character's head, to sort of make a joke land or, or, or make sense. But maybe they can do a pickup. Uh, maybe we can carve some time into this, to this to the third episode or to shoot that thing from the first episode that doesn't make any sense now. Um, whereas in animation, you can go like, oh, uh, yikes, the scene isn't working. Let's redo this entire scene, you know? All
1: right, yeah. There's that's...
2: lots of other differences,
1: guys. Yeah, I believe it. I believe So have you established a preference, though?
2: Uh, I... I who I <laughs> oh. uh, I do I always say I prefer live action because I get it I get how to do it more like I don't really get, like I with anime I didn't do make anime I made live action stuff when I was just doing stuff on my own at Channel One Hundred One or or wherever I was doing stuff. Justin was obviously always doing animated stuff so he sort of understood how animation works I'm still learning how it works I don't really have my head wrapped on it whereas with live action I'm like yeah I, I get the principles of live action you know like I feel more comfortable in how things should look and with with animation it's like Justin will p- point out something Justin being the name of someone that uh Justin Smith A random
1: person <laughs> that may or may not work with
2: who me. I've done who, I, who, I, who's, who made an animated show on Nickelodeon uh, that I worked on, uh, we'll point out that, Oh, this, 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 this isn't working because of X, Y, and Z. I'm like, I, I it looks fine to me. I don't, I don't understand why, <laughs> why is it, like I just can't. I, I don't understand sometimes visually what, what is right or wrong about animation or, 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 or like sometimes I'll just say like, I don't know this, this doesn't make sense to me, but then other people will say, well, that's just how you have to animate something because we can't show, this and that because it's too expensive, you know? And I'm like, really? Like, you can't show someone running this direction? <laughs> you know, like, you can't show <laughs> someone running from the background
1: to the foreground or something weird like that, where it's like a live action. It's the, you know, easiest thing in the world. Right, yeah. It's just too hard to draw. Or, and not that it's too hard, but it's, it's the time it takes or budgeting it, schedules, yeah, all that fun
0: yeah, stuff. Yeah, it was, it was mentioned for the uh, the Vindicators episode. that, that was, There's was a tweet that said, you know, thank, thanks, uh, thanks for the animators. So we tried to make your job as difficult as possible. Uh, with with some of the characters right and I, maybe that's is that an under a misunderstanding from the from the perspective of the writers like uh, being unable to say this can you do this can you do this in animation well uh that was during the great
2: war between the writers and the animators where we were <laughs> fucking with them big time <laughs> by writing the hardest shit to animate. No, I don't. Uh, I don't. I, I think. I think that. Uh, you know, the, the boss is the creator of the show, who also does the voices. Uh, that guy. He. Uh, he. Uh, you know, I'm done with this ruse. It's Justin
1: Roiland, and the show is called Rick and Morty. Whoa! All right. Bow, That's right. Bow, bow,
0: bow okay everybody uh, the
1: the lawyers the lawyers never listen this far into the podcast anyway i think we're good oh uh, that's
2: a good name for something lawyers never listen <laughs> um i don't know what it means but it sounds like it means something uh he was always good at understanding that he's always good at understanding that kind of thing like ah, that's that's too hard to animate yeah i don't i don't really know i i didn't realize it was that it was that con- i mean the, the the that episode was complicated in general, we, we actually re, redid a lot of that episode. I wonder if there's going to be on, on the, the DVD of the, the third season, if there's going to actually be uh, an animatic that, that we had done that's almost a, a 70% different version of that episode with hmm. a whole different storyline and different characters even. Uh, that was the episode that we probably yeah put through the ringer the most, just production-wise. So maybe that's what she's referring to.
0: Uh, so I have a question about that, actually. So we when after we watched it, uh the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 had just come out just a, a couple months before was was that part of the, uh-huh. the the reason that episode was changed a little bit or just nothing w- I, I don't know if you can give us any insight in, into that you said a lot of it was changed uh direction wise um no it definitely w- I mean
2: you know for me I was personally nervous early on in that episode when we were talking about it, I was like, well, I mean, guys, the superhero well has been onto many, many times in, in comedy and in general now in our culture. So if we're going to like do superheroes, let's try to do them in an interesting way that is, you know, not just my biggest fear was that it was going to end up being, you know, like uh raccoon man or, well, I guess that's what <laughs> South Park did. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like just, just the, the one-to-one versions of superheroes. Uh, you know, I thought, and some of the other writers we, we talked about, we were like, well, let's try to actually make these characters feel like, you know, you, you, you didn't even want them to feel like superheroes. You wanted them to feel like just a, another feature of this crazy world, that, like, there's just this intergalactic, uh, not even a superhero team, just, I guess, like the Guardians of the Galaxies, although really we never even thought about that, just a, a, a group of people that are working together and and sort of almost in a way doing it Rick does, but just ostensibly they're like, going on adventures and fighting things and whatever, but they're just, you know, the whole conflict of that episode is their philosophical attitude or at least what Rick perceived as his honesty about the way the world works versus theirs. And so it was never I, I, I don't like to think of it as superhero spoof. I think that, you know, it, it that episode is more about the the relationship between Rick and Morty and Rick's sort of jealousy at, at, at you know, like any one of us feels when we when someone that, you know, when we have, I guess, maybe a codependent relationship and suddenly the, the other person, whether it's a romantic person or your best friend when you're a kid or or whoever, it starts to like, oh, well, I actually think that they're kind of cool, too. And you're like, what they cooler than me? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck them. You know, and it's that's that's a very familiar I'll show you how movie. not cool they are, yeah. yeah, and that's that that's what I think makes it's not like let's take the piss out of superheroes, because God knows that's been done by a million times by people who really know very you know who who do that well. And that's their kind of craft. And so, yeah, I, I did to answer the question it wasn't no, there's was nothing. it was it was just about how the story came out. Huh. That we weren't satisfied with, and really nothing to do with *Gardens of the Galaxy*. In fact, if anything, I remember we were reading um, issues of um, God, I'm completely like the *Authority*, uh, which is where a lot of the sort of uh, concepts, like the in the *Authority*, they're they're in a ship as opposed to like a like an Earth terrestrial-based Justice League fortress. Hmm. And so we we kind of were inspired by by that kind of stuff to kind of give. So in other words, our we point of departure wasn't the Justice League of the Avengers. Ideally, that's what we were n- trying not to do. That hmm. I
0: am done apologizing for that episode. <laughs> Next question. We're, we're done. <laughs> uh, so I, I want. Have you guys gone, guys and girls, because we're inclusive. Damn it! Uh, have you gone into each season with a specific theme in mind? Um, that that's guided the specific story beats or has it just been kind of like, Oh, just give us some episodes and then we'll tie them in together.
2: I heard, I heard, do you go into a season with a theme or, and then I was like, and then I think I heard like, or do you just kind of figure it out? Maybe. I think that's
0: what I heard. That That's exactly right. The sounds included. That was verbatim. That's exactly how he said it. Then what was all the, was that just, uh, that's uh well it's hawaii right and and so we have we just have the sometimes the pacific ocean just you know i we'll have to speak to it to make sure the internet gets over there
2: oh i thought you were gonna say are you, is the same word for goodbye it is hello
0: <laughs> no 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 that, um, that'd be that'd be that'd be we've moved on
1: from vindicators we've
0: moved on
2: so uh themes <laughs> i mean i think it's a little, little both i think that You know, we don't ever sit there and go like, "Okay, guys, here's the theme for this season. And what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to map out an arc and we're going to hit these concepts throughout the episode, you know, until we get to the building up to this big finale. It's much more flying by the seat of our pants, but it's it becomes clear. In fact, to be frank, like, I I don't know, I I was was reading somebody that was kind of criticizing season three and. All of a sudden, I had this epiphany. I was like, wait a minute. All the stuff that they're saying, it's criticism about Rick's, how Rick is, you know, seems to be not as powerful because he's he's kind of caught up in st- all the emotional turmoil that's happening in the family, which is, you know, you know the, 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 the two big events of the, of the pilot are uh, Rick takes down the Galactic government and, and also more or less the Council of Rick's sort of neutralizes those as threats and then also basically destroys the the nuclear family that he he's a part of and and now a lot of the episodes have dealt with the fact that the biggest antagonist in the season is Rick himself I mean you know he's the antagonist of the fourth episode it's it's him blacked out drunk Uh, he's you know he's his own worst enemy by turning himself into a pickle uh you know um you, you know it, it's 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 really about you know the 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 family all the dysfunction that he's he's created because he thinks it's serving him is sort of now what's you know coming back to bite him and i think as the as the season continues um you're going to see that it all it, there's going to be something that i think is going to go oh my god this actually all, all makes sense as far as how that what rick did which seem to be be the all example of how powerful he is both by destroying these external forces in the universe and also the internal forces of his own family emotional dynamic that that's left a big vacuum that's going to be taken advantage of and i don't want to say any more mm. but but it's it's it it, it seems to all it, it, i i i di- did i was sort of getting bummed out by the guy's criticism and then i was like when this when when the season finishes i'm going to i'm going to come back at this guy and say i hope it all makes <laughs> sense now
1: <laughs> uh, d- did you find that there were any like particularly unique challenges to Trying to extend a story arc across the entire season, I, I feel like seasons one and two, there there were ongoing stories, but it in season three, it definitely feels like you're telling a bigger story throughout the season. Did did anything difficult kind of arise out of that that challenge?
2: It's just the season was incredibly difficult in general, but I who, I don't know if that had anything to do with the the nature of the stories. Although maybe you know maybe there, maybe it's a relationship that you can't really. Separate just, just the, the, the nature of those episodes with how kind of how deep we went, I guess, with a lot of the characters. See, I never think everybody criticizes a lot of people criticize the episodes for like, well, they're really getting deep and they're just def- there. Why are they in therapy and t- why is there a therapist saying all this stuff? And I'm just like, I don't, isn't I mean, it was always in the DNA of the show. I mean, the first season ends with with, with Bird Person revealing to Morty that wubba wubba dub dub means I'm in great pain, uh, please help me, or something like that. I can't remember, but. But, you know, the, the point is that that's always been there. That, the whole point of that episode is that it's, it's a fun party where, you know, worlds are colliding. And then we find out that Rick is way more fucked up than than we knew. And so we're just building off of that. And season three, I guess, is the one that, you know, is taking it to the furthest extremes episode by episode. Um, but it's not like we're betraying the show. If anything, we're peeling back layers uh, that have always been there. Um, and so that's that I don't know that it's look, it's, it's, it's not for me, it's not easy to write anything emotional. I'm not, that's Dan's, that's Dan's big contribution as far as really writing this stuff about how Rick thinks and operates and, and all that family stuff is, you know, I'm like, Hey man, I can write fun stuff. And I know that it would be cool to see an episode like this. And I think that that would be really great. And then, you know, it's, it's everybody, all the writing team contributing what they, what, you know, what makes the show as a whole, hopefully great. Yeah.
0: You know, we, we find uh, again, you talk, you talk about the wubba, love, dub, dub, and and, it, and this, and Rick being fucked up as part of the DNA of the show, uh, you know, in rot- autoerotic assimilation, uh, we don't really, we haven't really gone directly into Rick's past necessarily uh, other than, you know, bird person and squanchy. Right. But, you know, unity and a love interest in unity. Uh, was there any hesitance or concern with, with giving Rick a love interest? Uh, and giving him, uh, fleshing out that history more directly. No, no. I mean, it was
2: like we were going to do that episode in the first season, and it would just for some reason get kicked up, kicked down oh. to the second. But uh, I don't know. I think that was just the most like, the the uh, great layered reveal of rick because it's not you know we all know that you know and we played with this in the first episode of season three like you don't want to like just say like the reason rick is fucked up is because his wife and family were killed tragically and you know that's there's that jump the shark reveal and then there's just the stuff that just fills out the character like yeah rick is a seven-year-old super genius who travels throughout the multiverse and in the pilot made it clear to Morty when he went into that portal that he spent a lot of time fucking a lot of women. I mean, that was <laughs> in the pilot. And so we know he's had lots of romantic liaisons and he's a very sexual being. Yeah. The idea of actually going like, like let's, let's, let's like, let's like, let's examine, you know, one of the, you know, he, he probably has had lots of, lots of uh, cheap thrills with lots of alien interdimensional <laughs> beings she's probably had sex with himself as a woman i'm sure at one point uh <laughs> if anyone
0: has episode um,
2: but like let's let's see what happens when it's like you know it's it's something that was like oh this relationship clearly dug itself a little bit more into rick than, than than some of the other ones you know and and we all have had you know a string of relationships in our life and they all affect us in different ways so rick has whatever his relationship was with best mother was one and then this this fling he had or whatever the nature of how long that relationship was with unity uh before we we actually meet her, uh, and the core of that idea is it's which is very similar um, to the vindicators is, you know, this was a woman that he he met when she wasn't very successful. It's like it's like you know if you're an established uh, professional TV writer and you're dating like a someone who's like just taking their first level one improv class. I'm not saying that's what I do. I'm not saying <laughs> I exploit my power and status with uh, younger women trying to make it in the comedy world, but that's (laughs) what certainly people do, and and that's what I think Rick was probably doing in in his relationship when she was not as powerful as she was when we meet her in in, in that episode, and then all of a sudden he he meets her, and he's like, whoa, she got her shit together, and she's successful and powerful, and that probably made Rick feel bad about himself, and I think unconsciously he wanted to... Take her down a peg a little bit, and in the same way he wanted to take Morty, take the Vindicator's down a peg, uh, because Morty, you know, thought that they were so great. It's like who does she think she is? I look, I, I don't know if Dan might have a different response. Justin might have a different response. That's how I always saw it, you know. Um, and I think that that's the that's when I think the show is at its best is that when we're like, oh, this is this 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 story could be told. On any other TV show that takes place on Earth, about um, Jason Biggs, uh, I can't think of a show. <laughs> uh, Luis Elise Ansari running into his ex girlfriend, who's now very successful and also an actor in commercials and whatever on Master or None. And, and, you know, not that his character is as dysfunctional as Rick, but, you know, if he was, you could do that episode in a, right. in a, yeah. a grounded, earthly,
0: present day setting. And done. And done. And, and... I, see. I, I was, that was I, my answer. That, that's a very, very good a- answer. And I, I was looking at Travis uh, for a transitionary question, and then he didn't have it. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's not, <laughs> now it's on me.
1: Uh, so we'll awkwardly move on to the next thing. <laughs> uh, so uh, I guess aside from the obviously improvised dialogue in the show, is it common for dialogue to like evolve through recording sessions? Or do you guys like stick really close to the script when, when, when you have actors doing their reads or is there a lot of ad lib and does the show kind of adjust as, as people are doing the acting?
2: I mean, we, it's,
1: it's mostly we're sticking to the script because I think that's
2: just, you kinda, you kinda gotta stick to the script just because, you know, you, you have the infrastructure of the show is like, okay, we're going to record from this time to this time here are the lines we have to get from this character. Here are the lines we have to get from this this actor. And, you know, and you're scheduling everything. And so it, it you kind of can't really afford to just go like, ah, fuck it, let's just wing it uh, for too much of it. I mean, those, those interdimensional cable recording sessions were chaotic and, you know, very complicated and sometimes didn't really yield worthwhile results. I mean, it was a lot of work to get anything that was like, okay, I guess this could be put on TV. Uh, but that being said asterisks. Justin is such a funny improviser as far as, you know, obviously, I don't know if it's clear to anybody else, probably not, but he is not professionally trained. (laughs) And, uh, but he's just so naturally funny. Quick plug, Justin and I did a podcast together, grandma's virginity podcast. And, uh, it was basically just, you know, him doing that. And, you know, it was just so funny and delightful just to like watch him just kind of Make up nonsense as like, a, especially as a funny character. Um, but you know, in a in a animated television show recording session, it's just it's not. It's more like, okay, let's get it a scripted. Oh well, uh, you know, now that I'm reading the scene, what if we kind of change this line to this? Okay, cool, I can do that too. Or he'll 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 certainly fuck with a line in order to make it feel more comfortable to him, and and you get a lot of funny stuff and a lot better reads from from Rick or Morty by just him adding stuff that we would have never thought to script, you know?
0: You, you, I'm glad you brought <laughs> up the the Interdimensional Cable. This is actually Travis's question and he and he, and he paused, so I'm going to steal it from him. Thanks, Travis. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned Interdimensional Cable. You wrote uh, Interdimensional Cable 2, Tempting Fate. And so I just wanted to ask, the, epi- mm-hmm. the subtitle is Tempting Fate, uh, but with the success of Rixie Minutes, I don't know if anybody foresaw how successful Rixie Minutes was going to be. Did you guys feel a lot of pressure to replicate that, the laughter or the experience?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, I, this is this is the kind of question that could lead me to giving a very undiplomatic answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll try to, uh, you know, I don't, I'm in that weird <laughs> phase where I'm like, uh, what do I have to lose at this point? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I didn't really want to do a second. Well, actually, it's not true. I did want to do a second Interdimensional Cable episode, but... I knew how special the first one was and that it, it was a perfect marriage of, of that brilliant nonsense improvising and and a really well-structured and emotionally rich story. And the way they wove together so seamlessly and, and it also just it made sense because the, the stories actually came together with the television as being a plot point. You know, them watching television and seeing, seeing Jerry, you know. Uh, on and the news in the other parallel world and i'm like how can you repeat that you know and and we there's some ideas that i was really excited about doing and you know we didn't do you know as far as what the the b story or the a story depending on what you call the what you would have called the hospital story or the abortion story in the first one (laughs) and uh and I'm like, eh, you know, Jerry getting his penis removed is like kind of funny, but it's not really, I mean, come on, it's, I'm not, I'm not blowing him his mind. I'm saying it's not near the level of the first episodes, uh, a story. And so I knew there was going to be kind of a, 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 a weird, uh, al- alchemical, you know, yeah, you know, imbalance or something. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, tempting fate. It was very self-consciously. I think, I think I'm, might have written that you know to be clear obviously everybody knows not everybody knows because that's what i've been dealing with a lot on twitter tv writing is you know there are, there is some ownership that any any credited writer can take over over um an episode, but it's not never, never means that that writer went off and is solely responsible for every word in that, in that script. And especially when you're working with Dan, who's so brilliant and does passes and everything. Note that I'm, 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 that's all a preamble for me distancing myself from what's many consider to be one of the worst episodes of Rick and Morty. Let me explain how TV writing works. The credited writer is not always responsible for everything in the script. Uh, Oh, the unity episode. Oh yeah. hundred percent me. Um, No. Uh, so, so, so yeah. So we, Dan Goodman and I were writing that episode and we we're like, uh, eh, you know, I don't know. It's just like, we're doing it again and it's great. And I know it's Justin loves doing this and it's really funny, but I just think like, it's really hard to replicate what we did the first time. And, and so that's why we called it tempting fate. Cause that's what we were
0: fucking doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it, I got, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there. Some, we did a poll a long time ago when we first started the podcast of who, who liked the first one versus the the second one better. And they, they came out pretty close. Like I I'm, I'm a fan of the first one. Travis actually likes the second one better. Right. Uh, unless I he's made lying. That I'm sorry, long, Travis. Long, I, I, I made that
1: decision I, long before you agreed to come on the podcast.
0: It's, it's true. It, I, I mean, I don't, I think yours is subpar <laughs> to the first one. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean
1: those, those episodes really, I mean, they resonate with a lot of people. I think, the The first uh, uh minutes was like sort of how Brandon was introduced to the show was was those individual clips and um I think it, I think there's so many like bits crammed into a lot of that that it's it's easy for people to point to those episodes and be like this is this is really something special so I uh, I know you get a lot of questions on Twitter about a new thing coming or another another international cable I know they did a they did one of the comics but I'm sure you guys will have something good in store for us. And I won't hold you to uh, sharing any of that information with any particular shows that you work on.
2: Well, I, I know that I, I can just probably safely say what I think I've heard everybody else say, which is just, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's another thing coming that, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anyone to assume was, was going to scratch the same itch as interdimensional cable. Cause that's so unique in the way, you know, the ad libbing stuff goes, but it's definitely like, a, Oh, this is another fun way to do a, a, a variety-ish kind of episode
0: the the few episodes i listened to grandma's virginity podcast and just in just hearing justin do his do his voices and want to do the ad-libbing stuff i feel like rick and morty there needs to be an avenue for him to still get that ad-lib fix in there so regardless of whether or not you do an interdimensional cable or some new kind of version I, i i don't know him clearly you do but I, I feel like... Do I? I
1: don't know. Do I? Do we I ever really think... know someone? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but anyway, anyway uh, so uh, I want to I ask you about a different episode. So we talked to Brian Newton. He directed the Me, Seeks, and Destroy episode. And uh, we wanted to get your thoughts on... I, I asked him if he knew that the Me, Seeks, and Destroy would be considered such a, an entry-level episode to Rick and Morty. At what point in time did you realize, oh, this is going to be the episode that everyone's like, oh, Mr. Meeseeks, that's the one, that's the one you need to watch to get into this show? Well, no, because I've been working with, I, I
2: well, I, 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 it's pretty clear that, that anything Justin does the voice of is going to be hilarious and probably a popular character, which is why Mr. Meeseeks... Mr. Pooley Hall and even our little friend Noob Noob from season three Goddamn. have all really kind of popped and not to <laughs> mention Rick and Morty and so I just took for granted that I, Justin to me is when he does his voices it's just it's so funny I mean I'm I wouldn't say I'm his biggest fan but I mean I'm only saying that because that sounds pretentious and weird but <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of, like, you know, I'm a genuinely huge fan of just his sensibility and his comedy and the voices he does and the way he can just riff funny, hilarious shit and the stuff we do in Grammar's Virginity being an example of that. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I, 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 I didn't really realize that that combination of those voices combined with that sci-fi concept which is you know it's it's a takeoff on maybe let's say a genie trope or whatever but it's not a one-to-one of anything we've seen really although Rob Schraub would say um scud the disposable assassin much um sorry (laughs) sorry Rob but 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 all that being said I mean that's that's what the show is it's 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 Justin's hilarious voices combined with cool sci-fi concepts and funny jokes. And, and so that was just another uh, example of that. And and it was like the fifth episode I think we wrote. So we're still so early on in the show. We're not even sure what the show is yet. And so, yeah, it wasn't like, oh my God, this is, this is the big one. There have been episodes where like, oh, when this comes out, it's going to be, this is going to be big, we think. But, but that one, it was like at that point, we didn't know what the hell was going to (laughs) be. popular
1: <laughs> and, and it's crazy because i think you know in general we still we we talk to a lot of listeners of this podcast and, and most people point to me seeks and destroy as like their favorite episode when they're asked and I, I i think maybe it is that the fact that they're so kind of zany and they they with with justin doing the voices and everything they're just a really attractive character to so many fans
2: yeah and and, uh, and i i i I'm just, i apologize that we haven't brought them back But
1: I I like to live on in our
2: hearts. Yeah. And in the merchandise. (laughs) Absolutely. But I like to say, you know,
1: don't, you know, just trust that we're going to introduce new characters that you're going to want to make into plushies. And they they (laughs) pop up in the background sometimes. You can see them in blips and chits and things like that. They're they're around. They're there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that was um, something that I think the artist had added. I'm not sure where that came from. That wasn't like that wasn't in the script or anything, but it was a great little addition. And and I think that actually also gives a little. It actually adds more than you think to the to the to the mythology of the Meseeks because I think it makes it pretty clear that Rick did not create the Mysics box because what did he did he create that to help him play a video game in the background? He, I don't think is so. Is he selling that as like a side hustle that he's? You know, he's I, well, I, I like to think that 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 you know, Rick was where, Rick's an incredible inventor. He also is well traveled and and has you know gone into gone into stores across the multiverse and been like, what is this? Oh 10 10 bucks all
1: right sure <laughs> yeah I'll take it that's what yeah I,
0: I i think it's so interesting that me seeks are only used for the most mundane tasks as as powerful as they they can be people use them to get a high score on a video game in the background of blips and shits.
2: yeah, I wonder if that just is, is due to the lack of imagination of the user. <laughs> or perhaps just, you know, what what with someone who's like, well, yeah, what am I gonna
1: like say, take over the universe for me? Who am I? Who am I <laughs> God? They they might have to exist too long to to get that accomplished. Uh okay, so in Close Recounters of the Rick Kind, uh you introduce a whole lot of different versions of Rick and Morty. Uh was was that episode an extension out of the thought process of the B plot on Rick's D Minutes or how How was that idea first pitched as uh, to have that central conflict between all the Ricks and?
2: I, mean, I just I think that was something that Justin had wanted to do for a long time just because it's such a, you know, it's the thing that the show it's the thing that the show is that's its whole from from the from the first episode or the second episode, I can't remember because we kind of wrote them the same time, but the 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 love push number nine where they go to the other reality, that was. The first episode I think we wrote it might have been this because we wrote that and, and Lawnmower Dog kind of before the show had even been picked up, and and so that episode is it is establishing the parallel worlds, you know, with parallel versions of themselves, and so that was always something that I know Justin would wanted to do because it's such a natural extension of of that concept. So yeah, I, I, don't, I, you know, it was only later that people were like, uh, talking about this, I can't remember what the something of Rick's or the something of Reed Richards or in the fantastic four comics that they had done that, like a bunch of Reed Richards is from all over the multiverse, get together and, and do science together. And so that, that, that was something none of us knew about, but it just seemed to be an obvious thing that Rick would do or Rick's would do the Rick's Bu-
0: bureaucrats, uh, <laughs> um, so we, we have a, we have a few questions from Unity. That that's that's what we call the listeners uh, because we because wow. we don't want to we don't want to single any one person out, and so it's just a, a massless, faceless oh God blob, forbid, faceless <laughs> blob. But this Unity, what it, what it
1: boils down to is we we read on like some top five tips for podcasters <laughs> that you should address your audience as an individual, and we're like, well, what is the one individual that is everyone? It's Unity. Oh, it just, okay. it, it writes itself. It, you know, it, it, was, it was easy. Uh, but yeah, we have a bunch of Unity questions. So uh, I don't know if this is like a, a rapid fire round or, or, or anything like that. But uh, the first one comes from Matt Grace. Uh, he asks, when Rick fought Toxic Rick, uh, they both cloned themselves. Uh, does this mean that Rick no longer has his cyborg parts that we all just found out about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just thought about that, actually. Yeah, I don't it's
2: funny, when people latch on to the the specifics of stuff like that, I, that's I'm like, I never even think about that as being like a game changing concept. Like the fact that Rick I I just I guess I just assume that like that's almost Rick getting a new outfit that, that right. he might get bored of in a week or something. You know, it's just like it's it's as it's as canonical as <laughs> as him getting a scarf. You know, him getting cybernetic implants. And then I also saw something on Reddit about how many times Rick's died this season alone, as far as the the bodies, all the body switching that happened. So right, yeah. yeah. So the sorry, the question was, does that mean that these guys, the clone the Rick we now have, as of what'll be the next episode, no longer has the cybernetic implants? Uh, that's the specific question. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm assuming I'm assuming no, but I'm also assuming that if he decided that he wanted them again, it's just like, you know, shit. You can hit that shit before breakfast, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, that actually, that actually brings up a different question about just uh, fan theories in general. Like when when people come up to you and and say, "Hey, th- here's a show," or when you're browsing Reddit, uh, how do you how do you feel about? It? Do you do, is it like this where you're like, "Oh shit, I didn't even think about that."
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's there's it's funny. It's evenly divided. There's the there's the. Oh, God, that is the dumbest thing in the world. Why <laughs> would we ever do that? <laughs> why would that ever happen and then and then there's the oh yeah that, that's a oh, wow that that is an interesting an interesting thing that i never thought about and and i don't know if we should think about it because you don't you don't want to start getting up your own ass creatively you know i think i think that the, it, it's just like it's just like the way that rick breaks the fourth wall
1: mm-hmm
2: and then, and then right. people go like, "Rick knows he's in a TV show." I'm like, "I, I, no, Rick, we just wanted to break the fourth wall because it was a funny. <laughs> we thought it'd be funny yeah. joke. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the paradox of like these things. Like this can exist. Like this, you know, Rick can break the fourth wall, and there can still be stakes in the episode. Uh, you know, this can happen, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's gonna change the game. I mean." you the thing you don't want to just say fuck you to any kind of interesting continuity that you've you've woven in but you also can't get caught up in every little detail and wondering worried about how that's going to conflict with something else if it's gonna i mean we forget about most of the shit (laughs) we're
0: like whoa (laughs) shit we did do that fuck (laughs) that was a good gag oh shit somebody uh someone remembered it oh god yeah
1: has a fan theory ever like changed the direction you guys went or you know for better or worse like You're maybe to avoid something they said, or no?
2: (laughs) Fuck no! In fact, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting to see how some of the fan theories I've been reading lately are. I mean, not even close. Like there's 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 just like shit that's gonna happen. They're like, I haven't seen anything. Anyone even speculate on this, which is pretty awesome because you know in this day and age, it's everybody's eventually guesses. Every, I mean, you know, you've heard about TV shows that have totally changed the direction of their writing because they're like, "Oh, they figured it out." Lost, lost. yeah, Lost, <laughs> or or didn't didn't like a Dexter season? Didn't people predict that uh, that there was like a Fight Club thing happening with Colin Hanks and James Edward James Olmos' character? They, they did, um, yeah. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think I've seen anything that's predicted anything, and and there actually was. I'm not gonna say there was somebody who who, who said something based on an episode title, and they're like, yeah, I bet this, this, and this is going to happen. I'm like, well, yeah, okay, fine. That is technically what happens, but Jesus Christ, like, don't act like, I mean, yeah, so what? Like, that's the basics of what happened, but you have no idea what the, once you get into the details of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: We, we we talked about episode titles before, like, Rick Mansing the Stone before the episode actually aired, and there was there was a long article on, on some website going, like, Rick Mansing the Stone, which is, uh, is is using romancing the stone, which had Kathleen Turner and Michael, De- and it was like going through this whole thing. Like, yeah, I I haven't seen the episode, so maybe they're right, but I don't know how much we can glean from the episode title, right? Yeah, no, and in that in that episode,
2: our episode, I think a lot of our episode titles are horrible, <laughs> I, I, which is so funny because I remember the the Whirly durly conspiracy, which is the la the episode I uh, my episode from, from this season. I'm like, I'm calling it this. I don't give a shit. We're not doing another <laughs> fucking Rick and Morty pun. It's so stupid. I mean, sometimes they work Oh me. I mean, Rick's minutes is great. And uh, I'm trying to think of another one that really works well. Something wicked uh, but-
0: this week. Um, yo
2: yeah yeah that one's perfect but I, I but like it didn't mean we had to start doing every single one and so then, then then it's like then it's like well then there's just random episodes called me seeks and destroy which what is that and then so 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 I'm like I'm calling this episode the worldly early conspiracy because it sounds cool and it sounds like if there's a Rick and morty like novel like extended universe like novel you'd see like at a, at a grocery store that's what it would be called you know like, some 70-page novel written by me when I'm, like, broke and don't work in the show anymore, but, like, they're throwing me bones by writing the novelizations. And so they were like, no, we're changing that. Why, why would we? And I'm like, and and, and I think just, just pure, like, oh, at some point it just slipped through the cracks and made it to the actual, be the final title. Um, but Rick Mansing the Stone, by the way, it, you know, one of the things we tried to do is, you know, a lot of people, like, when they criticize the episode, they got some it's a Mad Max spoof, which is fair enough, but, like, there's we tried to flesh out the world a little bit more, and there's actually more inspiration taken from the movie uh, Doomsday by Neil Marshall, which if you've seen that has the classic post-apocalyptic elements to it, but then also has some of the media- medieval stuff that we show when we when the Armithy character is going to kill the uh, <laughs> the brilliantly voiced slaver who is in the bathtub. Who yes. uh, I mean that character done. just
1: pops right off the yes. screen. Uh, and that was, I think, a big confusion for me is because you did go into some some other areas that really didn't match with the Mad Max sort of genre. And so so for, for you to specify that Doomsday film, it, it, it makes more sense in that context.
2: Yeah, not, not, that, not, that, not that I'm like – it doesn't help my case as far as I'm going – yeah, we don't like spoof movies. I mean, like, for example, like, we weren't spoofing Mad Max. We were spoofing uh, Doomsday. Like, I mean, we're, I'm just <laughs> – but but what the point is is that by throwing in mutants and 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 sort of a weird retro medieval setting, in combining that with Mad Max, it was like once again like I was saying with the Vindicators episode, it's like really trying to push it so it feels like it's it's its own world as opposed to just as Dan would say Yankovicking something from pop culture, which which I don't love it. It seems like there's a segment of the audience that doesn't love it. It's 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 easy to do sometimes because you're like, well, we know what we're doing because we're kind of jumping off this is a jumping off point uh but i think when we're really nailing it it's it's when it feels like its own
1: universe it's its own mythology
2: um that answer unity's question
1: at, at yes. to a t absolutely <laughs> uh, uh another another question this one's from drew uh i don't uh, know their name. yeah drew you better not it's a, they're a nameless faceless blob i thought <laughs> That's right. Uh, wh- why Former, does Rick, Rick always known is true.
0: I just want th- yeah, formally yeah.
1: known pre pre assimilation. Uh, why-, why does Rick always use the old junky spaceship? Why? Well, okay, <laughs>
2: I'm going to tell you why, and I swear to God, this is something I've thought long and hard about, and I'm not just saying words that I hope are going to feel like a thoughtful answer. I just uh, I think it's because. Rick can't really be bothered in the same way that Zach Galifianakis supposedly like even as a post hangover movie star still drove the shitty (laughs) beat up car. He uh, (laughs) he drove as a broke comedian. I think I'd like to say it's partly because it's a Rick's fuck you to like, yeah, yeah, I could I could make a a fucking badass spaceship. But uh, a why what I need to when this does the job and B, maybe it's good that people underestimate the, the capabilities of this ship. Does this ship? With its masking taped on headlights or whatever, <laughs> look like it has a a an AI security system that can replicate and and deteriorate <laughs> a a police officer's dead child. No. So you kind of want right. to have it's like Columbo. You want everybody underestimated Columbo because he looked like the schlub, God. and he'd be
0: like, ah one more thing, ah. and he fucking nail it. Nail the fucking. The, the the killer to the wall. You're speaking my you're speaking my language now, Ridley. You're, yeah. spe- you're speaking that Columbo language. Uh. Yeah.
2: Never seen an episode,
0: but I, I'm <laughs> <No>. <laughs> aware of it culturally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, For my time, eye. but fake eye. That's uh, all you need to uh, know. He's a private fake eye. Yeah. So we talked about Grandma's Virginity podcast, all right? And this is from a ton of Unity uh, former real people. Are are there going to be ever any new GVP episodes? We'll
2: never say never, but it's been and it's been very difficult to
1: <laughs> to get one made. I mean in a world where it's hard to get the frickin' show made. Alright, so so you heard it here. Never say never.
0: You heard it you heard it here but first. No promises.
1: There, yeah, there I,
0: may be in the future. <laughs> I, 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 I stop short
2: of of ever declaring and believe me, I get inundated with tweets and comments and whatever all the time about GVP more so than, than TBD and TBD mm-hmm. um, that uh, about when it was, or when's the next episode? And I'm like, I ah, stopped short of, of saying publicly, like they'll never, it's over. There's never going to be another episode because who knows? Like I, I, I sort of fantasize it. Like now seems to be people are, are finding it because of, of the show and you know, fans of Justin and stuff that maybe one of these days, some, some podcast festival will reach out to us and go, Hey, how about you guys do a little reunion? Huh? little reunion come on down to Austin and do a reunion of grandma's virginity
1: and maybe we'll do something there all right what what about what about Harmontown any plans to revisit Harmontown who me yeah oh I don't feel comfortable in
0: Harmontown
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I, just, I don't I don't I'm not I don't fit in there
0: uh, so I, so this is actually a Brandon question you don't fit in on, Har, on Harmontown so I, I actually went to see Rick and Morty uh, the one that you were on with uh, uh-huh. Parnell and, and Jack Black. And, uh, you know, that's the same stage as Harmontown. Do you feel comfortable being up in front of all those people and it, all those people expecting so damn much from you? You tell me. You were there. You
2: look, did I feel, did I seem comfortable? You looked comfortable. I mean, you Thank were sitting you. on that
0: couch and
2: yeah. drinking out of that I, Morty head. I thought I had some good zingers. Yeah.
0: I, 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 I thought it. I thought I held my own with those with those comedy greats. Yeah, I, I was impressed. I was like, wow, this Ridley guy. Thank oh, you. Um, and you know what? I, I, had to, I had to pee the entire time, and I waited for you to stop talking, and then I, then I went to the bathroom. I just want to throw <laughs> that out there. But Wow. Yeah. Did but, I ever stop talking? You, you did for a while. And then, okay. and then they showed Channel 101 stuff, and I was like, ah, oh, it's yes. actually the best, best time for me to go because it's pitch black, and if I'm on yeah. camera and the people see me leaving –
2: uh, I, I love, look, I'm not going to lie. If there's anyone out there who has a, a, a live podcast or that's not harm town or uh, anything else that would get me on stage. I, I love doing that kind of stuff because it's, you know, look, I don't I, stand up is a whole other beast that you have to like prepare for and <laughs> work hard at and, uh, I do that when I'm writing a script, so i if i just like i like still like the juice of being on stage and getting a laugh yeah but i don't i don't i don't i don't really know how to so if anyone ever like whenever I've done anything like that i i like to i like to i like to do that kind of stuff and i I do feel like I'm pretty comfortable maybe i'm not
0: like i said I, I suck i didn't see your hands weren't shaking like you were p t s d or anything so you know I feel like you did a good job so. I was a little
2: nervous at first but but yeah, then I think I found my groove.
0: That's, I mean, I just want to throw this out there. You know, if you ever, if you ever decide to do a live GVP episode, uh, episode, why did I emphasize that syllable? I'm not sure. Uh, you know, (laughs) we know how to mix audio. So just, just throwing it out there, you know, just let us know and, and we'll edit the shit out of just, even if it's just you guys on an iPhone and you send me the audio, I'll record it, whatever. That's just, it's, it's free. It's a free service, uh, damn it. <laughs> I appreciate that. You know, it's funny. Some
2: people offer that, and and the truth is, that's where I'm sort of a control freak because I, I would edit a lot. I mean, Justin and I would sort of collaborate, but then it got to the point where it was clear, you know, more and more that I was going to do the heavy lifting with the editing and stuff. Uh, and and so I I got really very anal about the editing, and and especially because like man, that really taught me a lot about reality television. Because I would sometimes edit stuff where I'm like, "Oh, I just kind of faked this moment. Like, this was not like I, I wanted to cut like a minute out of an interview, and and create a seamless editing point, or or even sort of kind of change the context of something, and yeah. not not for any weird exploitive reason, just because like ah, oh, this is kind of boring and dull. Like, but I want to get get to this next bit, and this is a great way to kind of make it all sync up. So anyway, the the point I'm trying to make is that I don't think that that some some outlier, some stranger <laughs> could understand the nuance of the editing of the grandma's virginity podcast. Like <laughs> I do. Uh
0: Making you, Justin's fart jokes land. The, the great, the great part about this is you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, faking a moment and then editing stuff out. Oh boy. I can't wait to edit out my asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you gonna uh, make me look racist? Uh no by well, editing this in say, a creative way. Say something say something really racist. I I promise not to edit it. <laughs> uh, I always found that oranges are the
2: inferior fruit, and then you're gonna now take like white people. <laughs> white people. Or wait. I said oranges are the inferior fruit. I meant oranges are the superior fruit, and now you're gonna take white people and you know what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, don't do that. I do. I do because <laughs> do. you don't. You don't want to. You don't want to say. You don't want to say any other color or or creed. Now I'll edit that and then I'll say uh, <laughs> with your stuff. Cool, great. Uh, this will be on Reddit trending tomorrow. <laughs> Head writer Rick and Morty racist. Oh, I I have one last thing for you, Miss Mister Ridley. Res- respect and deference. Uh, yes. You've been to all these different Comic Cons mainly just San Diego comic-con and and probably a few others. But so I did this, I did a Rick and Morty fan panel just this last uh, week over at the amazing Hawaii comic-con. And I I hope you know this. I hope you and Justin and Dan know this and all the writers and everybody else who works on the show, just how in love the fans are with the show has over the last few years specifically for the show. How has that experience changed for you going to a comic-con and seeing this, this swell of support for the show?
2: Yeah, it's crazy because I remember very vividly the, the first San Diego Comic Con panel we did before the show had aired and it was so awkward. It was <laughs> justin it was a small room half filled with people who were maybe curious about Dan Harmon's new show. Nobody knew Justin. Maybe maybe they knew him from being the voice of Lemon Grab on Adventure Time. But, you know, it was like they were up there just basically selling the show to people like it's and justin started flop sweating he's like i i, I swear it's gonna be great it's like a crazy <laughs> sci-fi comedy it was really fun and and Kari walgren who's the voice of of rick ship and a bunch of other jessica and a bunch of characters in the show was like you guys are you're not really i mean come on it's a crazy show just just be confident <laughs> tell everybody how fucking crazy and awesome this show is and uh, and then the next year, when it uh, at least the first season it aired, it was wow. Okay, this is this is awesome. And then by the time it got to this year, just walking around Comic Con and and marking how often I was seeing either a Rick and Morty shirt or uh, cosplay it was just it was that interval was so much shorter than the previous year. And so I'm like, wow, that's that's it's incredible to be walking in every. 30 seconds seeing a Rick and Morty thing, someone dressed up or someone wearing a shirt. Yeah. It's pretty, it is pretty incredible. I mean, it it, it kind of, I, I, I've said this a million times and I'm always worried about repeating myself. And frankly, this weekend I was told by my close friends that I often do repeat myself, <laughs> uh, you know, when that, that we're doing, doing that show with Justin and Dan and having it be, you know, after years of working with those guys, on stuff what we weren't getting paid or, you know, whatever, just the different variations and, and sort of always me always having the fantasy of, oh, I think that the best the dream job would be having a show that I'm doing with my friends and and then having people actually like it. And then, act, you know, all of a sudden now cut to Halloween parties and and toy stores and seeing these characters <laughs> merchandise or people dressing up with them. It's a, it's, it's a very, it's a it's very cool feeling. It's, it really is a dream to to experience that. And, and also, you know, the truth is the fact that people actually connect to the stuff that is just a bunch of people who are like, I don't know, this is what we are into. This is what we like. We are making the show for us at the end of the day. That's why we're not doing a lot of tons of fan service unless it feels organic. You know, we, we, we're just like, this is what we would want to see and do. Uh, and then people connecting to that there's, that's like the most gratifying thing. I think anyone, anyone creative can experience, right?
1: Absolutely. And and I know we appreciate it. We've, uh, definitely used this platform as a, as a way to express our appreciation of what you and, uh, Dan and Justin and everybody over there on the team are doing. So, uh, thank you from us and from everybody that listens to this podcast. Well, thank you for having me that I assume that's the wrap up. Uh, well, yeah, is there is there anything else that maybe you're working on that you want to plug or maybe a way for folks to, if they haven't already started following you on Twitter, for, for people to, uh, I don't know get in touch with you?
0: Grandmasvirginity.com?
1: Mani- grandma's
2: or- I've got a manifesto that I think is going to make a pretty big splash soon. Uh, you'll find out when it's published in the uh, Washington Post and the New York Times. And if it's not
1: published, <laughs> well, let's just
2: say uh, you're not going to like the results.
1: So so are you watching <laughs> the Discovery Channel uh, series on the Unabomber? Just out of curiosity. Because. No. <laughs> Because <laughs> that felt like a direct reference and maybe it was up in that show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was no coincidence. Um, right.
2: No, I, yeah, I, I, I listened. There's a great, pod- I'm going to plug another podcast. Not, not, not that, you know, I uh, just, this is the show. How it's not about me. Look, I know everybody thinks, Oh, here's Ryan Ridley. He's such a self promoter. He's coming on the, of course, he's going to come on the Rick and Morty podcast because he knows, you know, it's like Trump going on, you know, Fox, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to get the tough questions here. There's a podcast called Last Podcast on the Left that uh, is a great podcast for just true crime and, like, supernatural stuff. But but then, you know, there's a really funny group of guys that do it, Henry Zebrowski and um, uh, uh, Ben Kissel and Marcus Parks. And, and, and so everything I know about, like, alien shit or ghosts, famous hauntings or, or famous murders, I know from that because, like, I never... I don't know. I've never, I've never been obsessive with anything, so like, I don't really go down any rabbit holes. But that show, I learned a lot about the Unabomber.
0: Good, good, good to know. Thank you so much for the the plug for last podcast on the left. Hey, listen, you there's crossover fans. I I I believe I believe it. Yeah. No. I I mean I I will listen to anything that references Wes Craven. Wait. Which- oh yes, that's right. I
2: forgot about that. <laughs>
0: I forgot that that's the last house on the left. That's right. Uh, well, hey, man, I, I want to Travis already said thank you. But let me also say thank you. I want to hear him say it again. Say it. Uh, go ahead, Travis. Uh,
1: thank you from us and from everybody that listens to this podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. It was very uh, enjoyable, lovely chat. I'm glad I got to do it. I I, I became aware of the podcast and I had listened to other Rick and Morty podcasts before. I think I think there's been a few other ones. And I was like, yeah, what the fuck? This sounds like it's recorded on an iPhone. It's. What the hell are you talking about, and then I listened to an episode of you guys did, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds like that they're that they're you know they're doing a good job. This is, this is a good version of a Rick and Morty podcast, I think."
0: Holy, holy shit! Thank, thank you. That just you know that's just that just made my Labor Day weekend complete. It's my pleasure. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again, Mister Riddles, and you know you know if you ever if you ever want to come back, please, we'll always have you. We'll find out if I
2: get an email when this drops, <laughs> and. Uh... I'm getting a cease and desist from Turner Entertainment.
0: At uh, uh, us as well, and, and yeah. you know we'll we'll have that we'll have that together, and that'll be a bonding moment. For
1: Holy crap, ladies and gentlemen! Holy
0: crap, ladies and gentlemen!
1: Ryan freaking Ridley! Ryan freaking
0: uh. Ridley! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh,
1: very, very happy he came on the show. Very fun conversation uh, and and really cool kind of getting a little bit of uh, insider info on some of the stuff that goes into his writing as well as uh, sort of some some questions that maybe he gets asked a lot about Rick and Morty, but um, that he was willing to share some of that info. Hopefully we didn't get him in any trouble with the Swim. <laughs> he- uh, I'm sure we'll find out sooner or later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't want to be the one to, to drop the ruse, uh, it. Oh, I, I yeah. wanted it to be on him.
1: Talk it, talk it, around that. Like, I was like, okay. Like anywho. uh, well, but yeah, thanks again to Ryan really he'll roll with those punches. He'll definitely. Uh, <laughs> so I, I want to say, I didn't mention it in the interview, Sire Dark. Uh, we, we mentioned you all the time on the show, but that Harmontown question was his, I would be, uh, I would feel really bad if if I didn't give him that sh- short out. And speaking of listener suggestions and short outs, it's time for the final final bit of our our episode. If you if you held on long enough, uh, you know, hold on a few more minutes for for some shout outs. Uh, well, we're going to start off over on Twitter with Grapplestar ninety two. Uh, does it say anything about Summer that she's gets so upset about Ethan dumping her, but she married, uh, what's his name earlier?
0: Yeah, i wrote heritage but i but i meant uh, i think it's a hemorrhage uh but you know the the thing is i i never i never really considered that uh, cuz cause we, cause we had ethan and then we for, completely forgot about him um and then this episode happened so
1: yeah that that was a really good question i i almost feel bad that we didn't ask ryan ridley about it uh <laughs> um but yeah you know ethan's a, a thing of the past now and he's all uh, you know he had a a theme park going strong inside of him, but Morty took care of that with the the growth shrink ray type thing. So, uh, next up, uh, we got so h
0: three y l seven three who sent us a picture of him and Justin Roiland, uh, which totally jealous, but you know whatever. He he calls him a bundle of joy, but we just interviewed Ryan Ridley, so. Uh woo, 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 woo. Yeah. How long how long was your photo up? So
1: hi th- Twitter <laughs> name. Uh, no. Uh very awesome that you got a chance to meet uh the man himself, Justin Roiland. Uh next up, Casey eats brains. She says that the first episode she watched was Rick Mansing the Stone. Uh so I guess this episode has my stamp of approval for an introduction to the show. Um uh, what do you, what do you, what do you think about that, Brian? I uh,
0: I mean I th- I think that's pretty cool. Uh I mean that's it's fine. It's a, I think it captures a little bit of every one of the main family members uh, in in their own specific way. And uh, yeah, so I th- I, <laughs> I think it's a solid enough. <laughs> uh yeah, spe- especially Jerry, yeah.
1: Yeah, I uh I don't know. I I like the fact that we have established relationships with the characters over the first couple seasons and I think that that adds weight to it, but I think it is a good, you could meet a lot of the characters and then maybe extrapolate over time and rewatches and things like that, uh, how they got to that point. So, Anyway, moving on. Over to Facebook. What do we got over there, Brandon?
0: Well, we got a message from Colin wondering what our take was on the theory that Rick knows or is known that he's in a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Colin. Well, well, well. I think if you listen to the Ridley interview, <laughs> uh, you might actually get your answer.
1: <laughs> yep, it's just a gag. Uh, you know, was, that was a really interesting part of that interview for me was uh, how much people build theories off of small elements of the show and how much the writers are just like, oh, that was the thing? Oh, yeah, we did do that. Oh, shoot. Like,
0: <laughs> all right, sorry. All right, all right. So so, so, moving on, a uh, couple, couple reviews, one from Zenger over on iTunes. The podcast is a great chaser, hard whiskey. <sighs> even when the show's not going, they somehow manage to make great episodes. Thank you thank you so much for thanks (laughs) Zenger. it's like taking us back
1: (laughs) and seeing as we have like four episodes of season three left uh we really gotta get
0: our act together to try and keep pumping out some more episodes (laughs) (laughs) yeah we are (laughs) fucked indeed uh so our our last review is by die 1000 deaths 1k deaths one kilogram deaths yes uh, uh yes,
1: die one kilo death.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Uh, I like the breakdown of the show and catching jokes that I might have missed. Woo. Yeah, which is includes this <laughs> the show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um but hey, uh you know, thank you everyone for for listening. My voice is a little quiet because it's it's nighttime and I, I edited the hell out of this thing at night while my family's sleeping and they're like, Brandon, shut up. So thank you everyone seriously so much for doing so much for us and listening to the yeah, show.
1: come on back. And we'll try to get some other people on or something. All right. <laughs> until next week, I'm Travis. And I'm Brandon. The Banjo. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Back up, back back up, back up, back up, back
0: up, back up, back up, back up. Back up.